This is Radio Stockdale. Welcome to Radio Stockdale. I'm your host, Michael Sears, at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. Our guest today has more than 40 years of combined military, law enforcement, defense, contracting, and government experience. He is a retired Special Forces officer and holds a Master's of Administrative Science from the Johns Hopkins University. Welcome, Howard Simpkin, to Radio Stockdale. Your book is home run, a great book to tell a lot of stories about survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. And if those, it's those two E's we're going to talk about, evasion and escape. The story of the USS Quail, it's the Quail, the ship, but it's also the crew that was on that ship. And I want to talk about perseverance, a virtue. It talks about the courage to be able to just face adversity over and over and over again. Tell us about the story of the USS Quail and that evasion and escape. Well, you know, the USS Quail was an old lapwing uh, minesweeper, a wooden hull. And uh, it was in uh, the Philippines when the Japanese attacked. It spent five months basically clearing mines to keep Corregidor supply lines open. The evasion that, that these people made was 18 men in a 36-foot motor launch. And they sailed 2,000 nautical miles for 31 days through enemy hell waters. That's what the story is all about. And if that doesn't qualify for persistence and for grit, I, 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 I don't know what does. It's a phenomenal story. So who was the CEO? Tell me about that for a second. Well, the CEO was John H. Morrill II. And he was born in Miller, South Dakota in 1903, entered the Naval Academy in 1920, and graduated in 24. He did just about everything uh, battleships, cruisers, destroyers, minesweepers, mine layers, and 10 years in S-boats. He was a very, he was an experienced skipper when uh, he took over Quail, and it went out to the Philippines in June of 39. Now, after the evasion to Australia, he he's probably the only career officer who ever requested duty in what were called LCIs, landing craft infantry, but they were specialized for shore bombardment. And, uh, he he was just a phenomenal human being, and he, he retired as a rear admiral and uh, actually lived to be 94 years old. So part of the story is about his leadership and his ability to to lead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, well, when they started out in at Corregidor, they started actually from um, Caballo Island, which is one of the four islands that sort of guarded Manila Bay, were across the mouth of Manila Bay, and uh, Fort Hughes was there. He could only locate 24 of his shipmates. All the rest had been dispersed all over the place. 17 elected to go. One that didn't go gave him a pocket watch to service the ship's chronometer. They picked a 36-foot motor launch, loaded it with supplies from a beach tug, uh, the Ranger, and headed south in the darkness. You know, they, they, they had a large map, but it was not detail uh, for the waters down in what used to be called the Dutch East Indies, now called Indonesia. And they didn't even have a sextant. They fabricated one. So they were they were pretty intent on getting home. The point of all of this basically is the Japanese uh, had invaded. Uh, the, the crew of the quail 
uh, had been working to make sure Corregidor and a, and a frankly the large part of the Philippine army and the U.S. army based in the Philippines uh, was supplied and, and able to fight and defend as long as they can. Tell me about that. What do you think about that decision to leave? The decision was either stay and get captured or to make this long, very perilous uh, transit. Well, I think the character of certainly Lieutenant Commander Morrill, there wasn't any other option. He was not going to stay and be captured. He, he wanted to carry on the fight. He was, he was a quiet guy. He was very self-effacing, very humble. But, well, I'll tell you, he, he did not give up at all. And uh, there was an oral history that I read that was, you know, they were talking to him about what went on during the evasion, and he never mentions himself. He talks about everybody else, but it's like he was just along observing. And yet every one of the crewmen, said that he was the one who uh, who got them through. So Howard, you know, you're saying that he he had no intention of being a POW, but let's talk about that for a second. Are leadership principles as a POW any different than they are if you're an armed combatant? That's a really good question. Um, but I, I think leaders lead. I mean, it sounds a little trite, but leaders lead, whether you're ashore, you know, aboard a ship or in a prison camp. I, I think it's a matter of emphasis. In one case, you're seeking, you know, you're leading your sailors in harm's way if you're if you're uh, on board ship. You know, but the other case, you're you're trying to set an example of endurance and fortitude because that's about all you can do. Most POWs camps established a sort of chain of command, but the bottom line is that's not where the authority is going to come from. It's going to come from your, it's going to be a moral authority. And and sometimes, you know, I, I one thing I do like is that a, a fleet is only as brave as its admiral, you know, because the admiral is running the same risk as the, you know, the most junior sailor. This is a motor launch. They painted it black, put a sail up. Um, tell me about this ingenuity. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. They they had a bearing go bad in in the engine. It was a it was a four four cylinder Buddha diesel engine, and they they had a bearing go bad. They fashioned a bearing out of out of lignum vitae, a, a you know very hard wood that they found driftwood, and it actually worked. I mean, this was I guess about three quarters of the way there, and they they got the rest of the way with a wooden bearing. In the, uh, it, it was amazing. They, they, they rigged up sails. They decked the boat over. I mean, they, for all intents and purposes, it looked like a, uh, like a Filipino, uh, fishing vessel. Uh, certainly the Japanese, they, uh, that they encountered or they came near didn't bother them. Didn't even give them a second look. That's called uh, a little bit of luck, uh, a lot of courage and frankly, a lot of skill. Let's 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 bring this forward for a second because we still are kind of in a season of uh, that returned with honor, the POW challenge that we have been dealing with at the Naval Academy uh, over the last couple of weeks and months. Where does resilience and grit come in? How do they play a part? They both have a part to play. I mean, you know, resilience is really, to my mind, the ability to bounce back from adversity, and grit is the ability to go forward when there's tough conditions, but they both have their basis in courage, you know, which is really the foundation of every virtue. Uh, 
one of my favorite writers, C.S. Lewis, said that uh, speaking of courage is the basis of all virtue. And he said, yeah, Pontius Pilate was merciful until it got risky. And that's true. Courage is really at the at the heart of of every uh, of, of both resilience and grit. So tell us how Lieutenant Commander Morrill serves as an example for leaders today. He was a a, a man who was he wasn't a, a big show off. He wasn't showy. Matter of fact, he was he was the absolute opposite. He was he was humble in the sense that you know humility isn't really thinking that you're a terrible person. It's just not thinking about yourself. That's that's what real humility is. And he was very he, he was very humble. And, but yet he was absolutely determined. I mean, <laughs> when one of the crew asked what they'd do if the Japanese were in Australia when they got there, his response was, we'd seize a bigger boat, one that we could go across the Pacific in if we had to. He was not a guy to give up. But he truly, like I said, he, he placed himself last. He placed his sailors first. He got written up for the Navy Cross and it got kind of lost in the shovel. It didn't get awarded until after he passed away. Howard, your book, Home Run, a good read. The, the USS Quail is just one chapter of many things, primarily about World War II, seer, survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. Thanks for joining us on Radio Stockdale. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Radio Stockdale, a series of podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the United States Naval Academy. You can hear more podcasts at stockdalecenter.com slash podcasts.